Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. The first show I ever did with George, I just joined from the Tribune. I was made political editor of, of News Talk, so quite a responsible role. And within five minutes, he had me doing Charlie McCreevy impressions. <laughs> Can you do it? The thing about Charlie McCreevy was you had to kind of, you had to sort of stick your tongue out of your mouth when you're doing them. Yeah, you kind of, like yeah, they're very good. And if yeah. I have money, I spend it. If I don't, I, I don't. Spend it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I walked out of the studio and I was walking down, down the street out, out of here and I went, oh my Christ, yeah. what have I, I'm the new political editor in the yeah, yeah. And I've just spent the last <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes. I literally, I was going, I'm going to be fired. Well, unfortunately, as hard as I tried to convince News Talk's Shane Coleman to do a few more impressions for us, he wasn't returning and bowed out after that very convincing impression of Charlie McCreevy. Charles McCreevy, of course, Minister for Finance during many of Ireland's boomiest years. And ministers, TDs and politics in general is something that Shane Coleman knows quite a lot about. He was one of Ireland's leading political correspondents in print media for many years before joining News Talk as political editor, followed by his current position, um, as presenter of News Talk Breakfast with co-host Kira Kelly. And Kira also featured on an episode of this podcast, a really good one, I think. And if you want to scroll back, you'll find her episode as well. Very outspoken is Kira. Um, so, of course, in our chat, we talk about politics, yes. But Shane is a man with many interests. So we also get in, stuck into things like the League of Ireland, football, which he's passionate about, the Ryan Tuberty affair, and his passion for fashion, would you believe? It builds this perception that politics doesn't matter. There's no point trying to change the things that we need to change. There's no point trying to change housing because it's all corrupt. They're all doing it for their own sake. They're all landlords, so they're all looking after their their own interests. I just don't buy that narrative. I'm wearing a pair of uh, new band runners that every middle class woman in Dublin is wearing at the moment. I've seen to be the only man wearing them, but I have seen loads right. of women of my age, of my vintage wearing If I'm being totally honest, I actually like wearing things that people go Oh, that's ro- how, how the hell? That's rotten. How would you wear? I kind of get a kick out yeah. of that. I don't think in six months' time or a year's time, if Ryan Tubby walks down the street, he'll be vilified. Bill O'Hurley was at the centre of a big controversy in RT in the late 1960s when he was a current affairs. The, the moneylenders. Yeah. yeah. Does anyone think of that when they think of Bill O'Hurley? <laughs> they just think about him as a bloody good broadcaster. Yeah. I scored a very fluky goal from the halfway line, and after the game, Steve Staunton shed a few tears so from the, for the last 41 years I've been able to say I made Steve Staunton cry basically So that's right and I'll never forget that day absolutely emblazoned into me memory so it was <laughs> my full chat with Shane Coleman coming up after we cross over to hear what some of my friends and colleagues in the podcast world have been doing and talking about recently it's back to school time of course and a few of them are going down memory lane including David McWilliams uh, ready to go, David? All set, John, yeah. ready to Back go. Back to school vibes, okay? Great stuff. Yeah. I've got some lovely stuff. Keep it nice and light now, okay? Yeah. We'll do. Yeah. We're doing great. Okay. Lock and load. How are you doing? Welcome back to the podcast. It's podcast time again. And it's back to school vibes, folks. And it feels like back to school, doesn't it, John? I don't know about you. I got the fear already, David. And you know, school, in a sense, is a great analogy for the economy, John. Yeah. You have your SWATs and your DOSers. You do. Your professional classes, your trades classes. Brilliant. And unemployed, as it were, all within the same class. You do. I'd say you were a bit of a SWAT when you were School, oh, you, no, 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 no. <laughs> On the contrary, John, ah, my friend. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember it well. Yeah. I remember it well. Yeah. 1983 it was. Right. What's going in on? In the dorky tech. Sorry, you were in Blackrock College, David. And there I was at the what? back of the class. Oh. Woodwalk, oh. I think it was. With Mixer Foley. Oh, no. And Snatcher McGee sniffing glue down the back. Who the hell is Snatcher McGee? And didn't the teacher come down to us and shout, McWilliams, oh. put down that you who fucking glue. You're embarrassing. And there was Mixer with his head in the plastic bag out of his tits on sure the old You're deluded, and snatch David. snatch McGee firing up an eight ball in the corner and I told ball. the teacher you fuck off. Ah, listen, David. I gave the bollocks an awful head but Good luck. <laughs> trashed the whole place with a compass I'm I did. And I ended up doing yeah. two years in St. Pat's Juvenile Home for scobes. Oh, <laughs> those were the fucking days, weren't they, John? John? <laughs> I love the David McWilliams sketches. I know that they're all the same, um, but they kind of make me laugh in a different way um, every time. Um, so, um, 
Anyway, exclusive comedy on the Mario Rosenstock podcast, of course, every week. That's our promise to you. You can't get it anywhere else. Um, And it's uh, slightly different ones than we might do on Gift Grub as well. So we have fun doing those. Hope everyone had a good summer. And um, I'm rejuvenated, resuscitated, rehabilitated. Uh, We had about six weeks or month, month and six, month or six weeks off from the podcast. Um, Went on a little holiday, just took a break, took a breather, gathered our thoughts. I came up with a new guest list. Um, We've been recording away. We have some great guests lined up um, coming up soon. Um, We can tell you exclusively, actually, that we have a guest you might be interested in considering what I do. But um, we we do believe that Pascal Donoghue, the Minister for Finance, former Minister for Finance and now Minister for Public Expenditure, will come in to do the podcast. And that's interesting to see how myself and Pascal hit it off um, as he's such a good character on Gift Grub. Um, Okay, over to my chat with Shane Coleman. It turns out we have a little bit in common from back in our university days, would you believe? So we started there. Shane, uh, thank you very much for joining me on the Mario Rosenstock podcast. Now, I didn't realise until I wrote or read your potted history that you went to the same college as me? Trinity College. And you studied the same course as me? BESS or ESS as it was when I was doing it and you were doing it, I think, as well. Economics and politics. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I was surprised to see that. I mean, I was hardly ever there because... I, I all I did was uh, drink and do drama. Well, you were a bit younger than me. you are a bit younger than mm-hmm. me. So am I? Yeah, oh, I think so. Just yeah, couldn't. I was there eighty six to ninety. Okay, I was there eighty nine to ninety three. Okay, so uh, this was the kind of a good course in Trinity Economics and Politics. It was called BESS, and around the time that Shane and I were both doing it, there was no jobs in Ireland at all. And so uh, these people used to come around at the end of the thing, and this the, thing called the, the milk, milk round. round. Companies from England used to come over and go, all right, Paddies, uh, any brainy ones over here? Fancy 30 grand a year starters. (laughs) Which was a lot of money. And rumours would go around, did you hear that Mark O'Brien got 30 grand a year starters? It's incredible, like, this idea that you could get 30 grand a year. Everybody, pretty much everybody in my class, bar me, went to London after we finished. Yeah. I mean, it was, that's what you did. And I went in the journalism route, so I didn't go down that route. But pretty much all those friends are now multimillionaires, and I'm not, so... Uh, Sorry. Who uh, picked the right option? Just a go- Do you know some people still that... that may- uh, yeah, I know people who are still over in London and have done really well. Did they really? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that actually wasn't bullshit? No, they all... Now, they worked hard... Yes. Uh, a lot harder than I have worked over the last 30 years. Yeah, um, but they made money. Oh, they did make money, absolutely. But I, I have no regrets, I have to say. So they went abroad. Some regrets. And like that fellow in the Paul Brady song, they're cleaning up out there. Yeah, basically. And they did it. They did it. I didn't do it because... Did they come home? Some of them came home, some of them didn't. Um, the Milk Round Week coincided with the Collingwood which was a football tournament and we were playing down in Cork and we got to the final and I had about four interviews and I didn't come back for any of them because <laughs> football as you know Mario <laughs> is way more important than your career uh, That's great uh, Yeah so anyway I've, yeah. No, I've definitely no regrets because it, no. it was a great week Would, Were you ever tempted to go down that route? Uh, no I, I did one of the interviews and I went into it and you know when you're in an interview and you know you're being a fraud and you know they know you're being a fraud. I just didn't, I didn't know anything about that world. Whereas the people I you went were to... You pretending you knew about I was it, pretending yeah. and not doing a very good job. And whereas, yeah. the, and I, I don't mean this to, because there were good pals of mine, yeah. but the other people who were doing, they knew what they wanted. They knew that world and I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted yeah. to do. And then somebody suggested the MA in journalism in DCU and I thought, yeah, that sounds good. I didn't know anything about journalism. I didn't even know what a... Bi- I remember the first day in DCU in journalism, somebody joked, she, man doesn't know what a byline is. And I laughed along. Also, not knowing what a byline was, it was only like that's how <laughs> little, you were frauding it there as well. Fraud, just in a better way. So I started as a fraud of business. <laughs> then I went into being fraud in journalism, and uh, some okay. people would say I'm now a fraud in broadcasting. But it's all fraud. We're all getting away with the chain. I mean, there's, there's I'm millions. Glad of, do you think that? Because sometimes I no, think that there's millions well. of ways you can get up out of bed in the morning. You can yeah. go, I'm very good at what I do and I work hard and by God, everybody respects me. And the other way you can roll out of bed in the morning, you go, like, lads, we're all having a laugh. (laughs) We're all a bunch of chancers and it's all a game. See, and I love people who get that. And, you know, even people who are good at their, like you're you're obviously very good at what you do. Uh, Dahi O'Shea is really good at what he does. But I love people who don't take themselves seriously and who kind of realise, you know what, I've kind of, I've struck gold here. I've got lucky. This is a good number and I'm going to appreciate what I have. I think that's really important. Well, you've also hit on a second thing that I there that's very important and I've been preaching it for years now and that is the, uh, the element of luck in everybody's life. Huge. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, luck is hugely important. Yeah. There are so many people who are good, talented, potential people and you just need luck to give you a kick in the arse every so do. often. Be yeah. in the right place at the right time yeah. and be maybe healthy enough even to have that luck. Yeah, absolutely. You know, some people um, get sick when they're meant to have a yeah, bit of luck. At- some people just happen to be there when somebody else is sick and they get a shot and uh, like... I got lucky. I landed the Sunday Tribune closed. I landed on my feet in news talk, and a lot, as you say, a lot of it is just picking up the phone or somebody picking up the phone to you or being in the right place at the right time. And it, like, it's important to remember that a lot of it does come down to luck. Yeah. And before we go, before we go onto the news talk thing, so you were up. You were a print journalist for years. I was and a was this Matt Cooper's time in the Sunday Indo? Uh, Sunday Tribune. Or Sunday uh, yeah. Tribune. Sorry, I started under Matt in the. This Indo. was Matt Mullet's Mullet Matt. Mullet Matt, as he was then. Yeah. Um, he kind of he rocked it though. He did. Know? Yeah. He absolutely yeah. did. Uh, so I worked with Matt in the in the Indo, and then I worked with him in the uh, in the Sunday Tribune. I had a very brief stint in corporate PR, which lasted six months. Fraud. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> back to that again. Let's circle back for the low-hanging oh, fruit there yeah, and just, um, see if we can boil the ocean going forward. Yeah, I just, it wasn't me. Mm. And uh, I, it was actually my wife said, we were only married about six mm. months and she said, either you go back to journalism or we're not going to be married in a year's time. Basically, right. yeah, she just said, you're just miserable. So I know. Matt offered me a job in politics. I had been a business journalist with, under Matt before and he offered me a job in politics and I love politics. So um, I jumped at the opportunity. And look, I'm, you know, I'm a broadcaster, but I'm a print man. It's oh, kinda, I think you are. I love. I still love newspapers. Yeah, and um, you still write for still write two? for a bit. I write for the Business Post. Um, uh, Danny McConnell, the editor, they're doing a really good job since he's gone in. And I just, to me, nothing beats. You know, the printing press is going around, and then you and I look. I know. These are changed times for newspapers. I know, you know, you go back to the Washington Post and the New York Times and the stories, and I know it's moved on, but oh, I still love that. I, I love picking up a newspaper, and I and this is a little bit embarrassing to admit, I still get a little kick out of seeing my, my byline, and now that I know what a byline is, uh, seeing my byline in a newspaper, I still... It's, I'm, I'll always be a newspaper man. When you say byline, byline means the, the name and the picture? Yeah, well, now there's a picture. Okay. There never used to be pictures. Yeah. That's a fair. Do you choose reason. your own picture? No. Okay. Do you no. always look at your picture and go, could have been a better picture? Generally, no, I'm not talking about you particularly. No, I do. And generally, it's one from about 15 years ago. So I'm quite happy to keep it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I won't mention any journalists, but you do read, oh. open up the paper and you go, come on. They are not 36. <laughs> it is so. But like, I mean, are you going to change it? No way. I'm leaving it there. So. Kira, your partner in crime, yeah. was on this podcast. Yes. And we had a rollicking good chat. She is great, I have to say. Um, mm. We've become really good pals. Um, How long have you known her? Oh, since I was probably about 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, myself and her used to do a thing with George Hook on a Friday. Okay. The Friday right hook. And George would have myself, her and Dave McIntyre, who's the... You Americano, know, the, yeah, yeah, sports commentator, really good, uh, and we'd kind of shoot the breeze for two and a half hours, yeah. and it was great crack. So I knew her through then, uh, through that, and then a couple of years ago she came into the breakfast show, and uh, I don't know, we just were good, pa- we're very similar age, uh, you know, kids at the same age, same taste in music, same taste in films, disagree on loads of things. She's more liberal than I am. I'm more of a conservative, uh, but um, what I love about her is that. She is not a liberal that, you know, the, the liberal ayatollahs that if you disagree with me, there's something wrong with you and you're uh, an impure person. She is always happy to sort of chew the fat, have an argument and then park it when we walk out of the studio. So we've become really good pals. So it's, it's really enjoyable working with her, I have to say. Yeah. And she was great value on this podcast, um, partly because you know, of the reason that she's well able to speak up for herself. She is definitely well She able doesn't to speak up. give a shit. No. Uh, and I don't mean that in a kind of I don't mean that in a in a flippant way. Yeah. She she's made a decision that she there's certain things that she goes, life's too short. I don't give a shit about this. Yeah. I'm gonna speak the way I feel. You know what though? She's also and um, I mean she she's also a good journalist. Even though like she came late to journalist to journalism, she was obviously a doctor. Um but she is really good journalistic instincts and she's really good broadcasting instincts and she knows what works on broadcast. Okay, so radio, Ian Dempsey would often tell me as I've got to know him over the last 20 years you'd hear him saying this term over and over again. It's all about casting. Radio is about casting. Casting, casting, casting. Who's in the room? Who's talking to who? Who's paired off with who? Right. Because it's about chemistry. Yeah, you need that chemistry. Tonality and black and white and different shades to bounce off each other to create a little bit of zing. A little bit of zing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, so you guys have lasted quite a long time now. Uh, yeah. And that is good. And it's showing that the thing obviously has some sort of durability. I mean, just to give you a flavour for what it's like to listen to you. Uh, I There's a taxi driver uh, <laughs> who I've often got uh, and I, I get him a lot and same taxi driver and you might be on in, at the time I'm getting in the morning and yeah. you guys would come on you'd be talking about something the theme of the day or whatever, right? And he go, ah, oh, Jesus, here's your man now. Watch it. Huh? Yeah, you look at him. Look at him. There's nothing that fella doesn't know about. There's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing he doesn't have an opinion about. Now I'm kind of listening to I'm kind of listening to him going, yeah, yeah. But I'm listening to you, and I'm going, that's his fucking job. His job is to generate some form of opinion on the day, on the day's topic. It's not as if he's some sort of oh Shane down the pub will give you his you know. Well, yeah, there would be people listening who might say Shane down the pub would have a, a more informed opinion. And you know, my wife says to me all the time that I have an opinion about everything. Would you right. ever shut up and stop in such a know-it-all? I look. It probably goes with the territory a little bit and yeah. the current affairs, journalism, politics territory. Maybe yeah. it does go with it. And uh, sometimes maybe you should rein it in. Um, my Actually, my missus is very good at telling me to rein it in. Okay. Don't be such a know-it-all about things. Don't be so pompous. Mm. Get off your soapbox. Those kind of things. And you do need somebody from time to time yeah. to tell you that. Now, people probably listening will say maybe... She doesn't do it often enough. I now, often the, t- the, the, the sh- sh- will happen in the taxi as well because then Kira's speaking and the taxi fellow, no, she's talking sense. <laughs> <laughs> so he's team Kira. But yeah, but you see, I'm getting at something, aren't I? And that, I think I'm getting at something. Mm-hmm. And that is that you guys do present a different, a, pun- a kind of a punch and Judy. It's yeah. a pantomime. It, yeah. Life is a pantomime. The, the broadcasting is a pantomime. But I suppose that she's a little bit more outré yeah. Uh, a little bit more left of field, or should I say, right of field? Yeah. And you kind of then haul her back into the ah now, Kira. Let's haul it back, sort of slightly. In fairness back. to let's, uh, yeah. I look, yeah. I, so, I look. That probably is the roles we play. Uh, sometimes she reins me in, but yeah, it probably is more that. Look, I mean, what I hope we don't do. Because I think it is important to have that debate and to have that bit of spark. And if we disagree, like we've had some fairly serious rows on air that have been pretty heated. Um, it's never gone outside the studio, but it can't be fake. Like we, I, I, And she would never do this and I would never do this. You take, have to believe it, do you? Yeah, take a viewpoint that mm. you just don't believe just for the sake of an argument. Because mm. I think like, listeners aren't stupid. They okay, see, what they did see you, it through what, a mile away. What, when you say we've had a few ding-dongs, what comes to the top of your mind when you think of that? Uh, we generally about the environment actually we I, we have uh, because Kira is let's say I'm a, a hip, she would say a hypocritical green I, I try and live a green lifestyle as she would point out while taking four or five flights a year and she has a right yeah. to point out so she would say you know I'm not you know I'm I'm still going to fly she would back to farmers in terms of uh, beef we had a we had a huge row once about this and this is going to sound ridiculous on outdoor patio heaters because apparently they are really bad for the environment and she defended them to the hilt uh, we had a huge row about Jacinta Arden once as well which was uh, which got very heated in uh, in studio. Let but me guess, you were on Jacinta Ardern's side. No, no, no. I I cannot stand that kind of woke politics. I have to say, her and say Trudeau in Canada. I just it it grinds my gears. I don't know why. I just always think there's something really insincere. I think it's the politics of optics, and I just have I've I, you know I've no time for that kind of politics. Mm. Um, but uh, compared to Kira, would you not be sometimes accused of being slightly woke? Uh, I think we're both accused of that. I mean, I'm accused of being a conservative right-wing lunatic and a are left-wing you? liberal at the oh, same time. By, by different people. I suppose it depends on the issue. But I have been accused of all different things. I've been accused of being a Fianna Faller. I've been accused of being a Fine Gael blue shirt. So, I mean, yeah, it goes with the territory, yeah. I think. Yeah, no, the abuse. I'm interested in this. And, and it's The it, abuse? Yeah. On how, how have you treated it since you first discovered it? Uh, I ignore it. I never look at things about me on social media because uh, I found you know despite what you say what people say about oh, it's water off a duck's back it isn't water off a duck's back uh, and it does get into your head and I just have a view, sort of a viewpoint that if you start reading it you're going to start second guessing yourself uh, so people tell me from time to time oh your people are calling you all sorts of names on social media and I never ever are you on it. social media no okay where are you no, never really oh. did it. I have a like I have a Twitter account that mm, has lur- like lurks seven followers or something. I yeah. don't even know how I got to seven yeah. followers because it's my it's well and I won't even say what well, the it's name Kira, is. Well, it's Kira, George Hook, <laughs> Ivan Yates, Matt Cooper, uh, Bertie Ahern. Uh, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Um, John Gibbons. So yeah, I get loads of 
apparently I get loads of reviews, but I, uh, I, I just, I, so I, I, I kind of hate Twitter or X, and I hate, I hate what it's done to journalism. I hate what it's done to politics. I'm just not a fan. I, look, it's there. It's not going anywhere, whether it's X or some other form. But it has changed public life. And I, I, on a serious note, I actually don't think for the better, personally. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to elaborate why I think yeah. that? I, I, I think journalists are hugely influenced by it now. Mm. I think journalists follow it. And I think it's a very small number of people who shout loudest, who get heard the most. And I think it creates a climate of fear that journalists are afraid to tackle and the politicians are afraid to tackle. And I think it sets the agenda way more than wider public opinion. And that kind of scares me a little bit and worries me. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to I haul this back slightly to something that you said there a minute ago. And it was relating to social media and journalism. And, and you say that they sort of, they, 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 they rely on it a bit too much. Here's something that really annoys me about, um, and I wonder if you've picked up on this from reading uh, stuff in the, in newspapers, especially tabloid newspapers. So tabloid newspapers might run a story after a TV show or a radio show or something, and they go. The headline is, "Everybody is saying the <sighs> same thing." I hear you. I know where you're coming from on this. Now this is dangerously bad. So the headline in some in let's say the Star would be, "Everybody's saying the same thing about Shane Coleman's appearance last night," and you'd go, "I'm going to check this out if everybody's saying the same thing." Two people on Twitter yeah. said it, but that journalist read those two people on two Twitter people. and decided and, they would actually have and to then do they, that. But they also they quote that person, mm. Joe O'Brien mm. from Terra Europe yeah. said, "Yeah, that shirt was ridiculous yeah. on Mario. What the hell is he at?" I know, and you're going, "Who cares what Joe now, O'Brien?" Now this worries me about journalism. Yeah, I was in a pub, and sorry, I won't, this is a little oh, yeah. bit heavy. I was in a pub in Cross McGlen about three years ago, and did all these newspapers up on the wall. Uh, from New York Times, Washington Post, Irish Independent, and it was I was it was from the fifties in the Irish Independent, and it was it was a really old style news. There was about seven stories on the front page, and five of them were foreign news, and it was stuff like um, whoever the president was at the time was it uh, 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 Eisenhower. Eisenhower makes key speech on UN, and that was on the front page of the paper. That wouldn't even get a paragraph in mm. any newspaper now. Ironically, back in the 1950s, we were much more news focused, much more international, much more heavy news fo- uh, 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 focused. Today, it's what? It's celebrity flaff a lot of the time that's in, in newspapers. So it's amazing how, well, the world has changed, media has changed, newspapers have changed. Is it for the better? I'm, mm. I don't, I'm not so sure. Okay, so we might as well get to this point, which is that Journalism is in a tricky spot, I suppose, at the moment. I mean, there is some evidence that digital is working. Yeah, um, you know, I hope so. Things like the New York Times and stuff seem to be having pretty good success in mm-hmm. getting people into to, to digitize, get digital subscriptions and stuff. Yeah. Maybe, maybe some there's some Irish examples of that as well. Maybe, yeah. maybe you'd know about them. But the whole world is full of people who have opinions which are published and publishable now. And you're kind of going sometimes. What's the point almost in having more opinions? Now, there is a, po- there is a, there is a, um, a, f- a function for unfake news, for yeah, real news. For real news. For real news, of with, course. Yeah, sourced news, credible news sources. Um, the danger is, do people differentiate anymore? Do young people differentiate uh, anymore? My kids don't read newspapers. I mean, I, it saddens me that they don't. Now, they are aware of the news, but they get it on their... It's on their feet or whatever, whatever's on TikTok. So you're hoping it comes from a reputable source. But is it, does it always come from a reputable source? I, I don't think it does. And yes. I mean, I told my 16-year-old son, Dash, right? Now, I, I just said, he just says to me, Dad, why is Trump getting all, this is just apropos of Trump, right? Yeah. Why would Trump, why is Trump getting all the good stories? What do you, I said, what do you mean? So I'm immediately perplexed. And he goes, all the stories are great about Trump. What? What stories? Biden falls over. Biden is useless. Biden's a clown. Biden's dying. He's senile. Trump is the man. He's superhero. He's all over. I said, where are you getting your news? He says, TikTok. Yeah. Right? So basically, TikTok is is feeding him yeah. a kind of a non... An, 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 an gratuitously pro-Trump. Yeah. Pro-Trump vibe. Yeah. Which... Which raises the question, goes back to the question you asked, what's the future of, of journalism? Like, I hope there is, st- I hope people still want verified, credible, independently sourced news. I hope they do. But, are, I mean, are we raging against, are we the wolf raging against the moon? I, I, I hope we're not, but I, 
I do worry. I, I worry for newspapers. Here's, here, here's, here's, here's a thing I'm worried about and that is regarding your point and that is I'm wondering if some people don't want to be verified. They don't want to verify it. So, you know, the earth is flat. Okay, I have some proof here that says the earth is spherical. Don't want to see it. I want to, I want to believe the earth is flat. The, and this is what worries. The, well, I mean, social, the echo chain, chamber that is social media. Yeah, where, or I want to stay part of this club. Yeah, yeah. That you, you look for people to reinforce yeah, your, your and, views. But you, want, you, feel a, you feel a kinship with them, a you, community. You completely do. And you also want the people who oppose you. I mean, they're, they're vilified. And they are your enemies. They are the enemy. It's the culture wars. And like we see it in America, we see it in, Ireland, in, in the US. We have a little bit of it here. I, I don't think it's as widespread, but it is getting that way. And you're, it is that echo chamber of let's reinforce. I, and look, I have a, one of the things people say about me on social media is that, you know, you're a, a lackey of the establishment mm. and so on. And I, I presume they say that because I, I actually make the argument, you know, this, the, the, if you listen to the, the narrative on social media, we're a, a corrupt country. Everybody is is on the make. There is this elite that are uh, with their noses in the trough and everybody else is, is left behind. I don't buy that narrative and I make no apologies for buying that. Uh, we are a far from perfect country, but on lots of, in, on lots of uh, measures, we're actually doing quite well. Um, we have our problems. I'm not denying that. You, you know what they are better than I do. How the, the the health service cost all those things I'm not denying I'm not saying they don't need to be addressed of course they do but I just don't buy that narrative that uh, you know the, the establishment parties are lining their own pockets and the politics is corrupt because I don't think the facts bear that out but if you listen to social media you know it's what do they call Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael FFG mm-hmm. uh, you know they never call them ser- it's all like you know they're all one of the same are corrupt and they're they're up to their necks in this and cronyism and so on I, I, I don't buy that narrative um, and I, I think social media reinforces that narrative and I think that's a dangerous narrative because it, cre- uh, it, it builds this perception that politics doesn't matter and we can't we actually there's no point trying to change the things that we need to change there's no point trying to change housing because it's all corrupt they're all doing it for their own sake they're all landlords so they're all looking after their their own interests I, I think it's really dangerous for politics that people think like that um, and, and sorry this is not to say there shouldn't be justifiable criticism of government of course there should and there is problems in Within government, within the civil service, we're way too slow to make changes. We're, we're not radical enough and there's big issues that need to be addressed. But saying that they're corrupt and they're lying in their own pockets, I think is really dangerous for democracy. You know that, I mean, you, I know you're a, you follow American politics a lot. The Trump drained the swamp narrative. Look where that led to in America. Like, we don't live in a swamp. Politics is actually not a swamp. And I think draining the swamp narrative basically demeans and belittles politics. And I think that, is dangerous for us as a society. Well, there is a certain, uh, I mean, there's a certain, but like all conspiracy theories, there is a certain truth to all conspiracy theories. There's a kernel of truth to them. And that is, people who are within the status quo, by definition, wish to preserve the status quo. They don't wish to go into the status quo and blow it up. No. But but at the same time, it doesn't mean that they're not people, or that some of them, or a lot of them, are not people of integrity and hard-working and honest, decent people yeah. who want to do their best. Yeah. After all, these are people with children, relations, family, friends, etc. Yeah. This is what, of course, always defies belief. The idea that somebody could be wanting to destroy the world or la 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 and they have children all over the yeah. place. And they, you know, this. Yeah, I mean, look, is Irish politics too conservative, too cautious? I think it probably yes, is. I, I, I definitely I, think so. I think it is. I think some of that is because of the political system we have. Some of that is because of social media. I think politicians are terrified yes. to do anything or say anything. Yes. So I think it is it is almost reinforced that. But do do I think that people at the top of politics don't want to solve the housing crisis because they're a landlord or because they own a house yes. and they want the house? I don't buy that. Change the subject entirely, right? Mm-hmm. So do you know who dresses me? Your partner? Yes. Well done. I'm, I basically, I, I dress in what I'm given. No, broadly speaking. Not, not every night. I mean, it's not a case Well, of- now, depending on who she wants me to be. But, uh, <laughs> go on, it's Jose Mourinho night tonight. Woohoo! Get the scarf on. 
<laughs> You're very nice, you know. It's Wednesday night. It's a little bit early for the oh, the hump of the week. Okay, okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, so, uh, but you are well known for your dedic- being a dedicated follower of fashion. Well, well known, I think, is probably an exaggeration, but... Uh, ah, you're underplaying yourself. We all talk behind your back. <laughs> uh, you wear you wear different kind of clothing. You wear you're you're fashionable. You wear you have your own style. You, I, I, I you kind of have oh, I don't know rock star a bit of rock star chic about you. Jesus, thank you. I mean, I'll I don't know what, what would you call it. I mean, it's definitely not like it's a bit it's of mod. A bit of mod. Yeah, there's something yeah. quite musical about it. Um, I know you love eighties music, but um, why do you dress like? I mean. You know, I've that's al- not allowed. By the way, you're not allowed, you have to conform <laughs> when you're in this society. Yeah, I, I, I've always loved clothes mm. um, since, since the beginning, since I can remember. Mm. Yeah, I always like kind of clothes. Um, my wife has impeccable taste, and she would pick out a lot of. St- she would go, "That will look really good," and I will. Oh, if she says it, I will. It's gospel because she's always right, basically, about these mm. things. So I would take advice from her. But I look, I love, I do love clothes. I don't particularly love shopping, but I do love. Wearing clothes and yeah, and I, I get slagged about it a lot, and I get slagged online about it a lot. And uh, but then that really is water off a duck's back. But yeah, uh, I, descri- no, I just enjoy. I love. I do love clothes. I love fashion. So could you describe? We might put some music over this um, later and post. Could you describe what you're wearing now, Shane? Um, I'll I- do a voiceover for you if you want to. <laughs> so Sh- I don't know why it's going to be Australian or so. Is it? So Shane has joined us. Shane is a broadcaster. From South County Dublin, it's uh, <laughs> Ranelagh. He lives in Ranelagh and um, Fibsboro. And Fibsboro, um, yeah. Shane, what are you wearing today? Uh, I am wearing a a blue stripy uh, t-shirt that is kind of like maybe and uh, maybe this is why Ed said a bit mod. Maybe it's like something from the Style Council in the late nineteen eighties. Right. It's kind of got that vibe. It's kind of got yeah. It's kind of got madness vibe about it. Yeah, a little bit of madness, but that kind of Parisian kind of Parisian. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm wearing a pair of uh, uh, non-skinny jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, are they but they're rolled up at the bottom. Are they mom jeans? Yeah, rolled up at the bottom with no socks. He's got no socks, folks. And they've rolled up at the bottom. A pair of New Band runners that every middle-class woman in Dublin is wearing at the moment. I've seen to be the only man wearing them, but I have seen loads right. of women uh, of my age, of my vintage, wearing them. Now, the jacket is brown. It's kind of 1973 brown. <laughs> uh, I think I last saw that in a Sweeney. I was going to say, an extra from the Sweeney or an extra from one of those films about the Troubles in Northern Ireland. Yeah, oh, Dennis Waterman. My hair isn't quite long enough. John Thor, Dennis Waterman Kicking would have a worn. door down. Yeah, that's right. Oi! Oi, put some yeah, clothes yeah. on, love. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like, it's trying to be it's it's too weak to be a shirt, but sorry, it's too strong to be a shirt, but too, but weak, too weak to be, to a, be jacket. a jacket. Yeah, it's still summertime, so it's, it hasn't uh, made up its mind. No, I'm maybe very I, like it's maybe wearing. I haven't done yeah, it. yeah, 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 kind of in the middle, <laughs> centrist. Um, but look, I, uh, I, if I'm being totally honest, and Christ, I, I mean, I, I, I actually like wearing things that people go, oh, that's ro- how how the hell that's rotten. How would you wear? I kind of get a kick out yeah. of that. Uh, so. Yeah, and is it? I have you, no shame, basically. No, 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 no. I'm actually, I'm not being facetious. Do you then go? I'm going to wear this on Thursday, or do you fit, do you just get up in the morning and go? I wear what I feel well, like. I wearing. get up. At, uh, no, I get up at you know what time? I get up mm. ridiculously early, so you have to lay out your clothes because yeah. otherwise you'd be turning the lights on and waking up everyone in the house. So, uh, so I do pick out my clothes the night before. Do you ever get insecure? Never. No. no, not about clothes. <laughs> I get insecure about lots of things. No, but, but I mean, do you know the clothes. way you go, I feel insecure today, I feel a bit, oh, I don't know, um, I don't know if I'd wear that because I don't want people drawing attention to me. No, no. I like the attention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that's why nice. am I admitting no, this? No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, no, I, I never get insecure. And, and, and people, it's funny, people... Yeah, for some reason feel it's okay to say those shoes are moxie you know I was like oh thanks but it actually never bothers me it doesn't I think it's fascinating I think it's fascinating very few people dress differently yeah uh, no I mean I'm serious and I think it's interesting I, 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 I mean even when we were going on holidays I said to my wife listen I'm thinking of getting um, a shirt with a few flowers on it and she went listen I think you've had too much to drink you <laughs> oh, need to be locked up why not why not shirt with just that day had gone kind of thing or well look she's from Rohini she's a Catholic uh, <laughs> it was too out there hmm? it was just too out there yeah it's just beyond the pale altogether I could see you in a shirt I mean I love her for so many different more reasons yes you know I mean this is not going to take away my love for her but it's you know wearing a shirt with a few flowers on it see now 
my wife would see the most outrageous thing online and go, you need to wear that. Right. And it would be a pink suit with pink shorts. Okay. Uh, and she said, that would look good on you. And I will immediately accept that. As, I would love that. Yeah, I would love that I, because I, 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 I'm, I'm quite a, I can be quite a flamboyant person sometimes. Well, you are very. Fun. I mean, you don't care what people. You wouldn't care. What Not people really. Think no, and I, I'd, I'd like it. I used to wear a trilby when I was in in college, ah. and nobody in economics and politics liked me because they all wore their um, braces like uh, Gordon Gecko. They actually wore braces like they? Gordon Gecko, so they would go <gasps> buy it at fifty five and sell at forty two, burn the motherfucker <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> That they would. They thought they were in um, Wall Street. Um, some of them. You must remember some of these. Uh, yeah. People. Well, they used I, to wear these dubs. These. I was it's just. You took the words out of my mouth. That's my big recollection of the the lads from Sutton and the Southside in Trinity wearing dubs. Yeah. Basically, that was it. Was a kind of a uniform, yeah. uh, and a V neck kind of jumper, navy with kind of stripes on the on the on the uh, on the V. Yeah. Uh, and obviously jeans, what everyone wore jeans. But yeah, that's uh, it's funny. That would be my memory as yes. well. But okay. not braces. That must have been. No, they wore some braces. Yeah, and um, Wall Street obviously came out while you were in college, not while I was. Eighty-seven, in it came out. Wall was Street. It? Yeah, okay. yeah, brilliant film. My God, it is. Are you are you fil- film buff? Yeah, yeah, I am. I love I love films. I have to say, yeah, very good. Um, now I have to ask you about Ryan Tuberty. Um, mm. Because it's probably the most one of the most peculiar um, stories in, yeah. in, the, in the Irish media landscape in the last um, in the last while, you know, last yeah. few years maybe. Um, what, what do you think? Uh, look, I I like Ryan, and I'm, I'm a fan of his. Uh, I like him personally. I don't know him that well, but I've met him a few times, and uh, I would have been on the show before I was in News Talk. I would have been on the show a good bit, and I've always kind of had a regard for him. Uh, and I actually think he's a really talented broadcaster in that kind of. You know the Saturday night kind of chat show in America. That kind of, he has a, you know, he's a bit about him, a bit of verve about him. And so I, I, I raise him, and I, um, I feel desperately sorry for him. I really do, and I, I've, I've said this from the start. I, I think the whole thing was blown hugely out of proportion. He, he, he didn't get in a car drunk and knock somebody down. He didn't beat somebody up. Um, you know he. I think he made a mistake. I, I think he called it wrong at the, at the start. He should have come out and said, look, hands up, I didn't get that right. And I think that, hope, would that have been the end? For, but I, I hated the witch hunt against him. And I hated the fact that, you know, if two months ago, if Ryan Tuberty walked down, or three months ago, if Ryan Tuberty walked down Grafton Street, he would have been mobbed by, people, by well-wishers, slapping him on the back and telling him he's a great fella. If he walked down Grafton Street now, he'd probably have people roaring stuff, abuse at him. I, I hate that aspect of. Um, I, I I feel sorry for people. I mean, look, you're in that zone, in that sphere, a little bit of being a, a household name and, and being recognised, and, and I think it maybe comes with that territory. But I, I do feel desperately sorry for him. I don't think his judgment in this case was particularly good. Um, but does he? I, I I think he should have been kept on. I think he should still be on on Radio 1 uh, I don't think they'll find a better broadcaster in that slot so, Do you I think do he was thrown that. under a bus? Uh, I, I, I mean I, I I, think Kevin Backhurst is a decent guy trying to do the right thing and I think maybe he felt he was backed into a corner um, so I, I hesitate to use that thrown under a bus but I I just I hated the witch hunt against him and I hated the way that people When you say the witch hunt what does that mean? I just think I mean there was from the, who? Well, online in traditional media as well to some degree. I think there was a, you know, uh, I think there was a. Uh, uh, I thought it was a, it was a kind of a nasty tone to a lot of the yeah, commentary there about was, him. Yeah, there always is though. Yeah, um, and I look. I just I think a lot of people kicked him when he was down, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know. I I couldn't do and wouldn't do, and uh, so I look. I I just think. The whole thing was blown out of proportion, hugely blown out of proportion. But why is it that Ryan Tuberty is the only person to lose his job out of this? If he only had what? Um, let's estimate his his let's estimate his culpability in the out of a hundred, maybe eight percent. Yeah, ninety two percent rests with RTE. Why doesn't anybody in RTE lose their job? Yeah, no, I, mean, I suppose the management board has been has been stood down. But I, I it's a, it is a really fair point you mm. make. He what has, about, he has been a scapegoat, I think. For yes, everything. okay, scapegoat definitely. Yeah. What about Kevin Backhurst? Like, I mean, I'm so, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Backhurst. What, okay, I'll go there. Should, should Kevin Backhurst resign? He was there. It was his management. No, he no, was, he well, he uh, he was well all throughout it. Well, was he? Yes, was he in that area? Yeah, I mean, he well, left he was, or on he, the executive board. Yeah, uh, 
Well, I sort of said it, I, I flippantly said it in a newspaper column very shortly after this broke. I said, you know, Ryan doesn't deserve to lose his job. It's not worth losing his job over. And my thing was, I just decided to go really large on it. And I said, if Ryan goes, everybody in RTE has to go. In the sense that, if how can you just use him as a figurehead yeah. of something that, like, he had no real act or part in creating. Yeah. Right? These, he never created any of these barter accounts. No. Or anything like no. that. And and nobody else gets the gets to gets to bite the bullet. Yeah. Isn't that really weird? Yeah. It yeah. is. And is it fair? No, it's not fair. Uh, personally, I don't think Kevin Backhurst is culpable. I think he's actually done a decent job. I don't agree with his decision to uh, fire Ryan Tuberty, but uh, or to not renew his contract or whatever way you want to call it. But yeah, mm. he has been he has been the scapegoat. He's been the fall guy for mm. all of this. And I feel desperately sorry for him. He'll be back. I've absolutely no doubt about that. He will be back. Okay. Whether it won't probably be on Radio One, but it, it there's lots of different forums for uh, for him to reappear. Yeah. Do you so, think they, do, do you think they've helped to do you think they've been do you think they've been responsible for uh, try and put yourself in these boots? Imagine you were him. Yeah. Would you feel that they've helped to destroy your reputation? I mean, no, I don't think his reputation is destroyed. I, I really don't. Because ultimately... Well, you, you already said that if he walked down up Grafton Street this week, yeah. he would be howled at. Yeah. In six months' time, he won't be. That's the way it works. Uh, he is the fall guy now. But and, and I think that's why what happened in the last few weeks was so unfortunate. I think if they could have agreed a formula of words where... where Maybe Ryan had said, "Look, I made mistakes as well. Uh, you know, most of the culpability is on on Orti's side. But yeah, I could have done things differently. I think he would have been back in the hot seat. I think people would have moved on pretty quickly and forgotten about it. Um, that didn't happen. I don't think in six months' time or a years' time, if Ryan Tubbly walks down the street, he'll be vilified. So I, he will, because." Re- as you say, ultimately, he hasn't done anything terribly wrong. No. So I don't think his reputation is, is destroyed. And I think time heals things and he will bounce back. I mean, Bill O'Hurley was at the centre of a big controversy in Orty in the late 1960s when he was a current affairs... The, 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 the money yeah. lenders. Yeah. Does anyone think of that when they think of Bill O'Hurley? <laughs> they just think about him as a bloody good broadcaster yeah. who is, you know, really well, good. Well, I, I, I hope it doesn't and shape, it, shape it, Ryan's... Uh, I don't think it will. I think he's, I think he's too talented a broadcaster. Mm. I think he will come back in, in, in some shape or form. So. And to anybody out there who's been saying um, half-decent things about him, I, I could only add my voice to that because, see... I would know him on and off yeah, for the last know, 20 sure years. You know and and, well, and yeah. all I could say to people is that guaranteed, I mean, he is a really, really decent person. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you come across quite some sneaky people in the media industry. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's endemic. It's yeah. endemic. Entertainment, yeah. media, um, modelling, journalism, it's bitchy. Yeah. And he is one of the least bitchy yeah. people. He's he's really, really a really nice person. He's basically, a good, he's a good human being. Yeah. And um, I just, I feel desperately sorry for what he's gone through because it must have been... Look, there are worse things that happen in life, obviously, but it must have been pretty horrible for the last two or three months for him being in the eye of the storm like that. Really, really. I, and being on and, and the end on the end of that kind of Twitter storm as well is a deeply, deeply unpleasant place yeah. to be. I can only imagine. I can only hope. Uh, I never end up there. Yeah, maybe yeah. I will now. Uh, I know I, you won't. Well, except for the shirt, maybe. Yeah, or except, the thing for that's my, shirt. Yeah, except for my clothing. Yeah. Um, he did an Insta Tuberty, an Instagram last week. Yeah. Um, did the one on the pier. Oh, is this? I saw the I saw the leaving cert one. The right? new dawn, the new beginning. Oh right, yeah. I, heard, did, I didn't see that when I heard about it. Yeah. Okay, so he, there was. I'll just just see if you see if you pick up anything from this. So there was. A, he just did an Insta thing, right? And he didn't show himself, so he just did a little Insta of the pier, and he just said a new dawn. And the thing said a new dawn, a new beginning. Stay tuned, mm. right? Yeah, the okay. papers went mad. No, 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 fine, because people are waiting to hear yeah. from, from the guy that's at the centre of the storm. Yeah, but it's funny enough because actually the, there was a little piece of music behind it that he had put on it. Oh, I missed this. So, what was the piece of music? So, see if you see if Ed or you get get the significance of this, right? Because I'm a bit of a uh, not not a conspiracy theorist, but I was trying to unravel the mystery of this, and I had it right. Yeah. And and knowing him as I do, I knew that he would knew what it would be as well. But anyway, so the song "New Dawn, New Beginning" and the song in the background was "Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow." Don't stop; it'll soon be here. Okay, Fleetwood Mac. It'll be here better than before. 
Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. So I asked my son, do you, know do you know the significance of that piece of music? And he went, well, he's obviously saying yesterday's gone. Don't stop yeah, thinking about tomorrow. tomorrow. No, bollocks. What is it, the Bill Clinton? Yes. Ryan is an absolute American political a, he is maniac. Maniac. And so don't think stop thinking about was tomorrow. Was a team song for Bill Clinton's, Bill Clinton's first presidential campaign. So he's going to run for <laughs> he's going to run for president. Yes, that's my theory. Well, lots of people in the media felt he would run yes, for president. I know. Um, I definitely think he was thinking about it. And he still can. He's just still a young man. He's he can, another... but I think that the howling mob in Grafton Street probably would have a problem uh, with that. In five years' time, would the howling mob in Grafton Street still be there? Yeah. Yeah. I don't anyway, think I think that um, you know he was he would be aware of that. So I think he was either he was either messing. There was no other reason. Well, he, he has a there. mischievous sense of yeah. humour. Uh, I'm not sure about the Insta postings. I think keep the head down for six oh, months. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I think just keep the head down for six months. Absolutely, and then come back. Absolutely, yeah. which he will, and which he should. Absolutely, he's too good not to. <laughs> people on the line who want to talk to you as well right there's people who listen to this <laughs> that he went in, okay? yeah, okay. so Pascal Dunne who's on the line say hello to Pascal uh, hi Pascal yes hello Shane and very entertaining podcast I've listened to the last three hours of this and you on your hobby horse and your high horse um, I would like to ask you a serious question if you wouldn't mind um, what is 300 million 440, no, sorry, that was the mathematical one for Michael McGrath. Sorry about the budget. Um, if you had one policy in Ireland, because I've been listening carefully, that you would like me or us in government to change, seriously, um, what would it be? Is this really a serious question? Yes, I'm the Minister for Public Expenditure. Thank you. Uh, change our electoral system. Change the electoral system. Thanks, yeah. Pascal. Change the electoral system. He's great. He's, he's there. He's still there. He's, he's, he's lurking. Yeah, I'd like to change the electoral system. Away Pascal. from proportional representation. Yeah. Yeah. Not to first past the post. No, but some kind of list system that would just take away... The French one. Yeah, something like that that would take away... I won't go... The Paris pump kind of politics that I was talking about a little bit earlier on. That, you know, 50 votes in a Paris summer could dictate who the next government is and, as a result, local interests... Uh, supersede national ones. That would be it's it wouldn't be a, a widespread view or a popular view, but that would be my personal. So you choice. would change the system, Shane, the single transferable vote <laughs> system. Okay, I've worked out that whatever system which I'd still lose me bollocks and blalimon. <laughs> so thanks for that. Brilliant. I know you're um, a huge football fan. I am a League of Ireland fan. I am a massive League of and Ireland. And you're from fan. Dundalk. Yeah. Guess who's on the line? Who? Steve Staunton. <laughs> Say hello. Steve, I actually played football against Steve Staunton as a kid. So, uh, Steve, you won't remember me. You I do, good. I do. I remember you. You were wearing a brown shirt and rolled up jeans. <laughs> and you were a filthy, dirty hacker. So you were. But well done. Fair play Can to you. Can I tell Stephen one of my claims to fame? Go ahead. I once made him cry on a football pitch. I remember the day. It was a, I was 24 degrees and I wasn't wearing Factor 82. <laughs> and I had burnt the arse off myself. No, it was uh, it was an under twelve cup semi final. We beat his team. I scored a very fluky goal from the halfway line, which involved kicking the ball very high in the air and to keep it in. And after the game, Steve Staunton shed a few tears. So from the, for the last fifty or what is it forty one years, I've been able to say I made Steve Staunton cry basically. So that is one of my claims to fame. That's right, and I'll never forget that day. Absolutely emblazoned into me memory. So it was. <laughs> so. Um, I hear you're up for supporting the Bows. Is that it? Yeah, I've yeah, that's the Bows, Bohemians. Yeah, I, I, I've done something that is not allowed yes. in the world of football. Um, I have switched allegiances over the course of my life. <laughs> I, I mean, it's hilarious. I could have, uh, I could have. Sorry, you're saying you're transgender. <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem with that, by the way. <laughs> um, I live obviously beside Daneman Park, and uh, I started taking my young fella along about. 10 years ago and I was a Dundalk fan oh, well kind of I hadn't been in Dundalk for years I hadn't really gone to that many games and I just got sucked in by by Bose and we were out of the game in Tala about 6 years ago and Bose scored in the last minute against Rovers and we all went ballistic and we all started singing Bose till I die and my young fella turned around and went you're one of us now and I am it's just it is I love I love the club I love what it means. It's such a, it's such a community-based club, and they've rebuilt the club. Nearly went bankrupt, and they have rebuilt it on this commu like 
totally community driven they've done an unbelievable marketing job they're selling out the ground every week uh, it's so ingrained in the local community um, and it's just an absolute joy to be part of it on every Friday night I go I go to a lot of the away games myself my son and my daughter and uh, I'm so invested in it I just I love yeah, it. I think I it's cool that you support it. that. Um, I mean, I know we're all mad about uh, Premier League football over in Ireland, but is there is is there a you know you get the sense from listening to off the ball etc. that there is there a bit of a groundswell of growing for yeah. the League of Ireland? Huge, huge. Is, it a, is it a pride in our own players, our uh, own club? No, what, what, you know, why is it growing? Do you know what a, a lot of it is? And having slagged off social media a little bit earlier on, I think a huge amount of it is down to social media, and the, you know you're getting the goals on TV, and there's a slightly edgy air to League of Ireland games I mean you go you, you see the clips and there's guys with um, flares in the uh, in the stand and so on and it, I think it lends itself to social media I also think people are a little disillusioned a little disenchanted with the pre- I, I don't know about you but I, I am with the Premier League I, you know do I really care totally which you know if the, the Saudi owned team or the Qatar totally, owned totally. team or the Dubai owned team win the league or if the no. league is over by October because City are 16 points clear exactly you yeah. know but I mean like Bows are in the quarter final of the cup if if they win the FAI Cup this year I mean I know for starters I'm going to ball my eyes out I, I know it'll mean that much to me I, I actually lie awake at night dreaming of it I mean it would just it would just be it would mean more to me than anything else I've mm. seen in a sport that's how you've got to get Kira Kelly to support some other League she, of Ireland she team she kind of cheer, she sort of cheers for Bose now be, believe it or not it would be better if she followed Waterford or something yeah, or Shamrock Rovers Rovers yeah, yeah, you, can't, yeah. you can't follow Shamrock Rovers I, no, honestly I can't over I, I just I absolutely love it and I think it's a Barcelona have a have a, a a course that they do for other clubs that come come around Europe. Bowls are mentioned in the presentation they do in terms of how you get local communities invested in your club and how you rebuild your club doing that. So, like that's how good a job Bowls have done. And sorry, the Pats are doing it, Rovers are doing it, Dundalk. Are, I, I'm not suggesting it's unique to Bowls, but it's the one I'm most invested in. Like, just I'm a member of the club. Uh, there's, I think, two and a half thousand members of, of Bowes. Like, it's just, this is a club that we're getting attendances of six, seven hundred, a thousand, maybe 15 years ago on the verge of bankruptcy and they've changed it around. And it's it's like, it's a it's a GA club kind of feel, that kind of community feel. Um, so it's, it's brilliant. I love it. I'm on TikTok, by the way. Sorry? I'm on TikTok. <laughs> you were talking about social media. There. Sorry. <laughs> Forget it. Sorry, he's, he's I never think, had a. He's always been a bit. When I think of Stephen Staunton and his time as Irish management, as Irish manager, there's only one sentence that comes to my mind the whole time. After every interview, I don't know if you remember this, he would always say, "What can I say?" Yeah, he'd also go. He was. He also said. He actually did say this. I haven't got a Scooby Doo. Uh, did he, he actually did actually say, say that? I think he did. I, at least I made. I, unless I, I made. I kind of thought that was maybe. You. I thought he did say Scooby Doo because I think his brother told me. I met his brother once, and his brother told me. Um, he said, I, he, "I said I asked him, and he said I hadn't got a Scooby Doo." And I think I heard it from him. George Hook is on the line as well. This is one of the last cars. <laughs> George, how you yeah, doing? Yeah, great. I love Kira to death, but have you got any? Any controversial opinion at all <laughs> in that little body of yours. That skinny little mod-wearing, stripy madness, French Gallic beret, garlic eating. <laughs> God, you're so right. Because that's what George used to say to me the whole time. Yeah. He would. I suppose he's asking, do you have any opinion that you would regard as a bit out there? No. None that I'm willing to broadcast. <laughs> Finish me off. I'm back. I'm going back to the men's shed with Johnny Waters and Ivan Yates. Sounds like a good evening. Uh, the first show I ever did with George, he got me on. I, I just joined from the Tribune and I was polit- I was made political editor of, of News Talk, so quite a responsible role. And within five minutes of being on air, he had me doing Charlie McCreevy impressions. <laughs> and I remember I walked out of the studio and I was walking down, down the street out, out of here and I went... Oh my Christ! Yeah. What have I, I'm the new political editor in the Yeah, talk, yeah. And I've just spent the last <laughs> yeah. ten minutes. Can you do it? Can, can, can you, I can do remember? Charlie, Go on, I'll try and encourage you. Uh, well, the thing about Charlie McCreevy was you had to kind of, you had to sort of stick your tongue out of your mouth when you're doing them. Yeah, you kind of, like yeah, they're very good. And if yeah. I have money, I spend it. If I don't, I, I don't. spend it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was kind of, I think I had it a bit better at the time. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. No, but, that's good. Uh, 
but I, I literally, I was going, I'm going to be fired. Does it drive you mad? Because when you do an imitation, mm. it makes it more accessible for other people to do an imitation, not as good an imitation. Does that drive you? Does that drive? Because you pick up on... You pick up yeah, on no, particular yeah, things. No, uh, see, what I, what I regard impressions as in all this, right, it's just another way of telling a story. It's yeah. another way of telling a, a joke, right? Uh, communicating humour, that's all it is. But what I do when I do a, an impression is it's your impression of them. That's why it's yeah. called impression. It's not a, called a facsimile. It's called an impression. So it's how I see or hear somebody or how you pick up on somebody. But, but you kind of open the door for other people no, to copy yeah to copy yeah, and it's fine. a poor imitation no, of the imitation people, I mean some people are really good impressionists as yeah. well. I mean like you look at Connor Moore for example yeah no, he's really good he's yeah I mean good, he's, yeah. he's brilliant you know but and, and he would say for example I think he would say that he would have been listening to the stuff I was doing at the yeah. beginning and all that and maybe it kind of informs it slightly mm-hmm. but, you, but, but like anybody who does anything you've got to find your own uh, path as yeah. well you know and not yeah. just copy somebody so it doesn't it doesn't irritate you no not at all. No, I, that's flattery. It's flattery, really, yeah. to be honest. Imitation and I, and I, being the sincerest form, I ex- suppose. Exactly, yeah. it's eating itself now. Yeah. Meta, but uh, but 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 it's also it's it's also a, a very interesting. Um, it's also a very interesting thing to do because what it is is it's it's a human being's opinion of somebody vocalized and characterized. Yeah. So you're actually saying quite a bit. Yeah. About that person, without necessarily you know by 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 your definition of them. You know, and does so it's that, not just copycat stuff. And has there been people? And sorry, I'm turning this around mm. now. But mm. uh, has there been people who have taken grave offence at your characterisation of them? Like, have they ever expressed that to you? Well, politicians generally are very. Um, oh, should they love when you? do Of course, because so they've arrived. There's two act. There's two. There's two aspects of that. They've arrived when you've done when you put them on radio. Yeah. And the second thing is they can't be seen not to have a sense of humour. Yeah. Because the worst thing in so our even if they hate it, the worst they thing in our I mean yeah. Bertie Ahern, who you know wouldn't have had any time for it. I don't. Think. Think. No, but he was. It was, for, it, it was forced down his neck. He, he was smart enough to know he had to like it. it was forced down his neck for years. He'd have to listen to it. His driver would have it in the front of the car, and uh, <laughs> he'd have to listen to this on really? the way into work. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then he rang in for the tenth anniversary of Gift Grub, and he went, no, no, I, I listen to it every day, and it's it's a staple of it. And they're bollocks, it is. Oh, but he just said it as a. As, is good. But he just said it as a as a yeah. as a kind of a. This is important. At the moment, for me yeah. to say that, oh, he, like, yeah, but was there a smarter but, but, but in a way, right? Look, the person I love doing is is Pascal, right? And because uh, there's so much to him, and and I think that you know there's a bit of funniness in Pascal, but there's also what I try to get at with Pascal is there's a kind of inherent there's an inherent decency there, which which I try to which I which I see actually, He's, and which fa- which goes into my impression, yeah. And I can't stop it because he is an, you know what he comes into he comes into studio and uh, into news talk and everybody he leaves and everybody just says oh my god he's done because he he is he literally has a word for everybody he does. who comes he in. does I'll finish this by by doing the Pascal thing the, the, no, no, but the the the, the and a version of Pascal which is based on the real real Pascal yeah and the Pascal I met recently right so I was slinking around I was coming out of a, a, a studio downstairs and I walked smack into Pascal Donahue his advisor. And I think it was um, Matt Cooper or whatever, right? And um, John Cadell, it was. And when he sees me, right, he has this really nice way of of of, of carrying himself, right? So when he sees me, his hands went up and he went, went oh, Mario, 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 <laughs> Mario, how great to see you. Now, let me tell you a story about something that happened to me. He told me a story about how he was late for a meeting with Michal. Michal Martin was late. For, he was late for a meeting, and Michal Martin was late for a meeting. Tishuk, mm. he's the Tishuk. He's never late. <laughs> and, he's, and and I said, and and I was late, and I was wondering, well, I'm already late because I was late because I was listening to you on the side of the road before you finished your sketch. With wow, a sketch. there's a compliment, right? And he gets into the thing, and so I arrived into the meeting, and the Tishuk is late, and he's never late. And then he arrives five minutes late and I said, I apologise in advance. I was late myself just to rest you with ease. And he said, and I can't do Michal Martin now, but he said, sorry, I was late because I pulled into the side of the road to listen to you on a sketch talking to me. Wow. Yeah. And I just thought, that's class. Just take me now. That's, is that the ultimate accolade as, no, a, as an artist? That, no, but that's class. That is when absolute. when when the minister for finance said he was late for a meeting with the Taoiseach because, because he, was he was late. Listening to you and the other fellow was doing listening. a meeting. Yeah, yeah. Between him I thought and that the was class. But what I thought was lovely about him was that he would feel comfortable enough to share that. I think he's a very confident, self, quite a self-aware 
um, he, confident he, and a, a competent, confident politician. He also uh, is probably the most erudite man in yeah. politics. Yeah. Like every time mm. he always said, "Have you read such and such a book?" And I was like, "No, of course I haven't." He read eight book. books with he, me every Christmas. Oh my god! And every film, every sorry, box I'm sorry, Matt. Yeah, that was still listening to you. <laughs> They're lurking on the phone. The phone bill for this podcast. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Yeah. Shane, thanks a million. Oh, really enjoyed it. I hope, you, I hope you enjoyed it. I yourself. absolutely loved it. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a And my thanks to Shane Coleman for sharing all that in our interview. Um, a thanks to you, of course, for listening. Um, tell people that I'm back. Tell one person, if you can, that you like this podcast. It's at Mario on Twitter. And I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram as well, Mario Rosenstock Official. And you can contact me personally, MarioRosenstock at gmail.com. I reserve that Gmail entirely for the podcast. So all of the emails I get that come into that are usually about the podcast. So please send me an email. Tell me what's good, what's bad. Give me some guest suggestions. Give me some comedy suggestions if you want to, because I can kind of do anything on that um, on this podcast. And uh, sort of, you know, spread your wings, uh, take a few chances maybe, uh, see what happens. Uh, so it's MarioRosenstock at gmail.com. Tell one other person. And uh, we're back. We're on the road again. Um, we're rolling. So uh, keep listening. Same time, same place next week. Talk then. Bye-bye. <laughs>